One thing, um, oh, sorry, I was going to say, at the end of every year, everyone comes to New Year's resolutions, you know, for the, the new year, and they think, all right, inevitably, people look at the, their lives and they think, right, this is going to be the year that I, I change this, I go out and get the job I want, or I'm going to strive to do this, or uh, this is the time of the year where I'm going to get, I'm going to finally get in shape, and I'm going to get back into shape, or whatever that might be for you, and so inevitably, um, People join gyms in January, and uh, a couple weeks later, they're kind of back out of the gym and uh, back in the, the normal routine. And, um, you know, I've noticed that uh, for, for most of us, um, our health kind of goes on the back burner, and we, um, you know, we, we kind of neglect things. And I remember uh, a few months ago uh, being up here, and I was walking back and forth, uh, as I do often when I preach. And um, after church, someone said to me, hold on, can you, can you just turn to the side? I said, yeah. And they said, oh, I noticed that. Yep, you're gaining weight. You're getting bigger. They said, I thought I noticed that when you're walking back and forth. It's like, yep, he's bigger. No, he's, he's thinner. No, he's bigger. And um, I, uh, I, yesterday I went and I did a wedding uh, at Blacktown Baptist where I was pastor before I came up here. And... Um, it was, oh, it was a beautiful day and a beautiful time with the family, and uh, I went downstairs for the morning tea afterward, a nice fellowship time, and um, I heard from about three or four of the different ladies, oh, so we, we noticed that, um, you know, you're, you're getting a bit bigger, <laughs> and some say, oh, no, he's just happy, you know, he's just happy and healthy, and some say, oh, no, no, it looks fine, well, it looks fine, but we just noticed you, you're changing, yeah. You're, you're growing, not growing up, just growing out. And um, apparently, uh, one of the ladies uh, was sitting next to my wife as I was conducting the service and said, oh, I think Mark's gaining weight. Is Mark getting weight? And one goes, yes, Mark's definitely gaining weight. So I got the hint uh, yesterday and over the last few months, messages coming in uh, that... Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of changing, not for the better in that way, but uh, maybe expanding a little bit. So I found something last night on my way home. It says, fitness water, okay? <laughs> now, apparently it's only, it's 100% spring water, but it's called fitness water, so it looks like I'm making an effort to really get in shape. Just by drinking this, people are going to think I'm really making an effort and I'm working on it. Uh, but I'm hoping I move beyond just drinking fitness water and um, actually make a conscious effort to... Uh, to shape and care for ourselves. And I say that uh, to say this. Um, one is, um, you know, we need to, to look after ourselves um, physically and care to be there for, just for your own health, but for our families. And I want to encourage all of you as our church family to do that. And we do sometimes have to hold each other accountable to that. Maybe, maybe don't go up to someone and say, oh, gee, you're really gaining weight. You know, maybe, maybe watch, you know, how we phrase it. But uh, we, we can say that kind of stuff in love and encourage each other to, um, uh, to, to look after each other because that's actually something we can actually do as a church family to love each other and to care for each other. We want each other to be around. like We want to be around for our community. We want to be around for our family. And so uh, while I this year will be working on uh, trying to get back into uh, less shape, I guess I'll say, um, I, I encourage all of us to, uh, to do that as well. Now, that really has nothing to do with the message today. I'm just saying I'm drinking my fitness water and I'm trying to get in shape and I want to encourage you to do that as well. Um, but 
the message today is about loving one another and, uh, and caring for each other and making an effort to actually invest in one another's lives. And uh, part of that is actually connecting in and getting to know one another. And, uh, you know, I've noticed um, someone just off the street can go out and go, gee, you're fat, yeah? And that hurts, doesn't it? But sometimes a friend could come up who's known you for years and they've, they've lived life with you. And they can say, you know what? You know, I, I've noticed that, that you're not as, you don't have as much energy as you used to or you're not as healthy as you used to. And it might still hurt, but you know that they love you. And you know that they're, they're, they're saying what they're saying because they, they care. And I want to encourage us to get to a point as a church family where we know each other and we know that we're loved by one another. I want the, the community to see us as a church who love them and who, who invest in them in, in relationships so that we can hold each other accountable to things and we can care for each other. And, and those same things that we're trying to bring across can come across in love and in grace. Now, yeah, we know today is Valentine's Day, and that's been, uh, been brought to us already this morning. It's a day of love and devotion, and uh, hopefully um, some of you, you husbands out here or boyfriends have remembered that it's uh, Valentine's before now, because after I've announced it in church, it's a bit too late to go out and buy the flowers now. Uh, but it's, uh, it's often a day where, uh, for years that I've been in Australia, Different husbands and boyfriends have blamed me and America for uh, making them show some effort with their, their partners on this one day. And inevitably, every year, someone will tell me, well, I don't celebrate Valentine's because I think that every day should be Valentine's. And every day should be the day I show love and devotion to my wife. And I think, yeah, that's wonderful. And that should be how it works. But let's just be honest, okay? Every day is not Valentine's Day. Every day... You're, most of you are probably not, uh, you know, giving flowers and chocolates and just cherishing your spouse. And so I, for one, because I need reminders for everything, I think it's good that we have a day that we kind of go, hey, let's, let's make sure we let those who we love know that they are loved. And let's, let's just have a little time of just, uh, just caring for them uh, in the day. And um, I try to make efforts um, each year to do something for, uh, for Lindy and for the girls uh, especially, and even for Cyan, just to, to let them know that, um, that I love them and that I care for them because I think that is important. But today we're going to talk about a story which is one of the most commonly known stories in, in all the Bible of the woman at the well. And it shows how Jesus goes in great lengths and, and leaves kind of the, the easy road of, of ministry life, I guess, if there is one. And he, he leads, leaves that road and, and he goes... And he goes out of the, his way to care for this lady. Look with me if you have your copy of the scripture at John chapter 4. I'll just read verses 7 to 14. But I want to encourage you, go home tonight and read all of uh, John chapter 4. There's some great, uh, great stuff in the story of Jesus and how he connects with this lady. Uh, tells her about God's love and how it changes not only her life but the community in which he lives. John chapter 4, beginning verse 7, says this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy some food. Well, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is very deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, and as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered her and said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will, thirst, uh, will never thirst. So anyone, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Let's just pray. Dear God, we thank you for the precious gift of your word. And we pray, God, as we, we open it together and we, uh, we study through it, that we learn more of your love and of your heart to see all people come to know you. Your heart to forgive and to show mercy. Not because people deserve it, but because you're just that sort of gracious and merciful God. Help us, God, to be challenged to live out your sort of love in our community, in our relationships, in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now what we want to do today is take this familiar story of the woman at the well and try to look through these, these few verses to be challenged of how we can learn to love people in our community in this sort of way. You see, we sing a lot about our love for God, and we sing a lot about our love for, for one another. And we hear messages about how we should do that, but so often we, we just don't apply that to our life. We kind of hear the message, and we, we sing the songs, and we go out, and we kind of live however we want during the week. Now, in the United States, one of the negatives about being in a, a church community... Now, I, I was raised in a, a state which is right in what they call the Bible Belt uh, in the United States, where... They say, oh, Christianity is just a part of life, and it is, and it seems like everyone is in church on a Sunday morning. But one of the negatives from that, because all that's wonderful stuff, but one of the negatives that sometimes comes from that is people have religiously just been in church. They're supposed to be in church every Sunday morning. But so often, you can be in American churches and go, wow, there are so few committed Christians. There's so few people who are living out that sort of love and living out that message. And I was raised in sort of church, church, various churches where all my friends lived however they wanted during the week and they did every sort of thing that you can imagine uh, that was kind of sinful and corrupt and whatever, but they were in church on Sunday morning. And they, they, they dressed nice and they looked nice and they sang the songs and they heard the message and then they went out and they kind of lived however they wanted during the week. And I think, well, that's not really Christian community, is it? That's not really living out that message. And I think the challenge for us as Christians is sometimes we can hear the messages over and over again and they fail to really sink in and say, how can I apply that to my life? And so I want you to be thinking as I go through the, the Scriptures today, how can this apply to my life, in my work setting, in, in my marriage, in my family? How can I learn to love like Christ's love? You see, Jesus makes an effort of not just saying that he loves people, but he showed it over and over and over again. He, he broke all the rules to go and to share his love. 
We want to look quickly at just three things that Jesus did here to reach this woman with God's love. First of all, I want to say he, he left the road of social comfort. You see, it's easy, to, um, it's easy to talk to other Christians about God's love. It's easy for me to stand up in a church of, of Christians and people who believe in Jesus or people who want to know more about Jesus. It's easy for me to stand up here and talk about Jesus. It's easy for me to catch up with you guys for a cup of coffee or something during the week and talk about what God's doing in your life because I know you're, you're a person of faith and, and you have that understanding. But it's difficult sometimes to, to talk to people who are outside of that world, outside of that Christian setting. It's easy for me to talk to you guys and to care for you guys and to spend time with you guys because you're all wonderful to me. You're all amazing people, I think. Maybe you've just fooled me, but I think you're all pretty amazing. And uh, until you prove me otherwise, I think I, I just love hanging out with you guys. I love our church family. But some people, some people aren't as easy to love. Maybe society has said that they are people that, that shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't be in contact with or they're, they're living lives that just are completely against what we believe in. And it's uncomfortable to go in some of these settings and sit and talk about God's love. But you see, Jesus here makes a conscious effort to leave the, the norm and to make time for this woman at this well. One is that Jesus actually went out of his way to be at this well. Uh, he uh, normally, uh, if he's on his route, the, the traditional way for the Jews, uh, Jewish leaders especially, the, the rabbis and the teachers, uh, would be to go around uh, that area and to not walk through so that they didn't have to face any of the Samaritans because the Samaritans were such a hated people to the Jews, especially these Jewish church leaders. The Samaritans, not that they were bad people, sure they were wonderful people, uh, but they, uh, they lived lives very different uh, to that of the Jewish people. The Samaritans were some, uh, originally some of the, the Jews that, that stayed in the northern kingdom after it had been destroyed and they started to mix with the different religious beliefs and uh, the different customs in that area. They started to intermarry with, with non-Jews, with Gentiles, uh, and uh, had children out of these relationships which were considered to the Jews to be half-breeds uh, and not real, uh, real Jews or even real people. And they were considered social outcasts uh, by all. They didn't follow the, the customs and traditions of the Jewish people which they held uh, as, as paramount and as, as so important. They refused, the Samaritans refused to worship at Jerusalem, which the Jews had said is their holy city and, and they needed to, to worship God in that place. And uh, the Samaritans had their own uh, temple, their own uh, city in which they worshipped in. And uh, so they were hated by the Jews. There were even, uh, some church historians have said that the people of Samaria uh, were actually some of the Jewish people from Samaria were involved in, um, in persecuting other Jews. And so these weren't people who were easy to love. So often the Jews would, would go around the area and try to avoid even seeing a Samaritan or even having to talk to a Samaritan. But Jesus made an effort to go and to sit down and to talk with this woman. Not only that, but... Um, Men at this time, especially uh, a lot of the, uh, the religious leaders, wouldn't take time to talk uh, with, with a woman. 
uh, very different cultural norms uh, than we see in, in Australia today, but uh, oftentimes the, the leaders just wouldn't acknowledge that. They might talk to some of the men and try to teach the men, uh, but not these, uh, these women. And Jesus, again, kind of crosses that and makes effort to connect in and to, to talk with this woman, but especially a woman of her reputation in the community. Other leaders wouldn't take any time for her, and yet Jesus takes time to love her. Verse 7 says, he, he went, so verses uh, 1 to 6, so we're talking about how he went out of his way and, uh, and came to sit at that well. And then he says that simple message to her, will, will you ask a question, will you give me a drink? Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? He's thirsty, he's sitting at a well, will you give me a drink? Something very common. If, if, anything was gonna, if anyone was going to say something to, uh, to a woman, it would be, can you do this for me? She's there with her bucket uh, for the well, and uh, can you get me a drink? It sounds pretty simple. But um, there's more to it than that. Jesus said, will you give me a drink? And then the Samaritan woman is just blown away that this man has taken time to stop and to talk to her. And she says, well, hold on. Why are you asking me for a drink? And then Jesus turns around and says, well, if you knew who I was, then you'd ask me for a drink. But he's not talking about uh, this physical uh, drink that's needed. He turns things around and starts talking about spiritual things. Jesus went out of his way to make a connection. And just the fact that he went out of his way made that connection. So often I've had people come to me and say, Oh, you know, I know I should be going into this community and talking to people, or I know I should be making effort with, with these people at my workplace who are just so different from me. But I just don't know what to say, and I just don't know, you know how to make that connection. One of the examples Jesus gives here is that he just made the effort to go and to be there and to, to talk to her, to show that, that he actually does care. He's breaking kind of all the rules of uh, the, the church and their traditions just to show that he loves her. And just the fact that he actually reaches out shows to this woman some, there's something different about him. He says, hold on, why are you asking me for a drink? See, it sounds like a very simple question she asked, but there's a lot behind that. This woman is kind of blown away going, why are you taking time to, to talk to me? Why are you taking time to spend time with me? And then Jesus then starts to, he, he leaves the road of the, the easy conversation and he changes things from, as I said, from the, the physical to the spiritual. And uh, in verses 10 to 15, he starts talking about anyone who drinks of the water of this well, uh, Jacob's well will be thirsty again, but anyone who drinks from him, uh, the spiritual life that he offers, uh, there'll be a wellspring growing up in him for eternal life. We often, when we talk to people, we, even if we, we, we get brave enough to go in these uncomfortable situations and to sit down and talk with people, we, we want to kind of keep things on, on the physical, on what we're comfortable talking with, on kind of what is here and now. Christ focused on the eternal. This woman is just thirsty, and she's coming to, to get water, uh, maybe for herself, maybe for, um, uh, for whatever that is, maybe for others. But she comes for that physical water, but Christ sits down and he connects with her and he, he, he cares for her and he starts talking to her about spiritual things, about things of eternal importance. 
how do we really connect and really love people, not just on the surface stuff? How do we talk about more than just uh, footy or whatever and we make sure that we're actually uh, caring for people? Jesus here uh, sits down and he starts talking about what's really important and starts sharing that uh, with, uh, with this woman. And that leads into this third thing in that Jesus left the road of religious rule. You see, Jesus didn't just know that this is a woman and know that this is a Samaritan. Jesus knew her life. He knew everything about her. He knew that she had been living with, with several different men and that she had had several different husbands and that the person li- she's living with now is not her husband. He knew that she had lived a life uh, and, and of poor reputation and that in her community she would have been a, a social outcast. And you see, it's bad enough for a Jewish leader to even be there talking to a Samaritan. It's bad enough for a Jewish leader like Jesus, a teacher there and a rabbi, to be talking to a woman. But even worse than that, he knows she's a Samaritan. He knows she's a woman, and he knows that she is a sinful woman, an outcast by the church, an outcast by the community. And he makes the effort to love her. Verses 16 to 26, I want to challenge you. Go through and, uh, and read, read this later today. Verse 16, he simply says to her, Go and call your husband and come back. When she says, Sir, give me of this water. Whatever this is, give this to me. I, I want whatever you're talking about. And he says, well, go get your husband and bring him back. And she starts talking about how she doesn't have a husband. And he says, well, I know all that. And she said, well, sir, you must be a prophet. Because I've heard that prophets are common, they know all things. But Jesus says, no, I'm not just a, a prophet. I'm not just one who knows things. I am the Messiah, the one who's to come. And Jesus, he try, she tries to... Uh, trick Jesus here and talk about some religious things and say, well, all right, if, if you're really the Messiah, the Jews say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, the Samaritans say we're supposed to worship somewhere else, and Jesus said, look, neither one uh, is the important thing. What's important is that you worship God in spirit and in truth, for God himself is a spirit. Jesus knew of her sin, but he didn't judge her. He's the only one who could judge her. He's the only one who had the right to judge her, but he didn't. He loved. He said, I know you're not married. I know that you've had five husbands, and I know the one that you're living with now is not your husband. I know that you're, quote, living in sin. But he simply loved her. He knew of the rejection she had had in the past. He knew that she's a social outcast. He knew that he was not even supposed to be talking to her as a, as a religious person. But he loved. He simply loved her. He knew of the religious expectations. He knew that he was supposed to ignore her or or just not respond to her. But Jesus took time to love her. Who was she to question him? And yet he simply just loved. He was supposed to, at the very least, to set her straight and to to support those Jewish traditions. That's what those Jewish leaders thought he should have done. But Jesus simply loved her and simply cared for her. And the effect that that had on her, this woman 
It says she dropped her bucket and she ran into the city. Now, she came there to get water. She came to a well and brought bucket, this bucket to the well to get water for herself. But she drops this bucket and runs into the city and says, Come and meet someone who told me, who told me everything I've ever done. Come and meet someone who knows me and yet loves me. Now, we're, um, we're blessed to live in a day of age with, with running water and all that in our churches and our homes. Um, I know I grew up on a, a farm that we had running water in our house, but there was no running water in the, uh, the church down the road. And uh, those of you who have used an outhouse or a, uh, a dunny, uh, things like that, remember times growing up or you've been places where there's no running water. And I remember my dad, my dad grew up on the same farm that, that I grew up on. And um, in his day growing up, there was no running water in the, in the house. Uh, they had to go down, um, deep down in the farm. It was about a kilometer down uh, on the, the farm. And there was a natural running spring uh, down at the bottom of the, the hill. And he would, they would carry two uh, five-gallon buckets with them and go down and they would fill that up with this beautiful spring water which is nice and fresh and clean and carry those five-gallon buckets up so that they could pour in the, the tub uh, once a week and uh, his mom could, could wash the, uh, the clothes from uh, the, the clean water. Uh, they used this water to, to cook and to, to drink. They had to, to make that effort to, to carry these buckets all the way and to get the water. Now, I've walked to that same spring and I've, I've knelt down and I've drank that water but one thing I would not do, maybe because I'm lazy, I don't know, but one thing I would not do is walk a kilometer or so in the heat of the day with my buckets to get the water and then leave the buckets there and not go get the water. I'm going to make the effort. If I'm going to go all that way, I'm going to get some water. And I'm probably going to cool off and refresh and get that drink. This lady was not concerned anymore about what she needed physically. She wasn't concerned about that water that she needed that she was so desperate to get. Because Christ had connected with her in a real way. He had shown such love to her and grace that she was just blown away. Not by anything magical he said. If you look at the words Jesus says on here, there's nothing great, there's no magical formula and you go, wow, that was good. Have you ever heard those, like maybe a preacher say stuff and you go, ooh, that was good. Probably not from my preaching, but from other people's preaching maybe. You hear stuff and you go, well, that's good. Or sometimes we read stuff in a, a Christian book and you're like, oh, that stuff's really good. Jesus actually didn't say any of that kind of stuff. This isn't one of those amazing sermons where you go, oh, that stuff's good. If I could talk like that, I could show God's love. Jesus sits down with this woman, and he just cares for her. He, it's, it's the connection, actually, that he makes with her. It's sitting there and talking to her and caring for her that helps to show God's love. And it was far more than just the religious rules that were the norm in society for his time. It was the taking time to care. Jesus broke all those rules to take time to share that he cared for this woman. And it blew her away. All of a sudden she ran. She dropped those buckets and she ran into the city and says, come and meet someone who told me everything I've ever done. Someone who knows me and yet loves me. So what does that mean for us in 2016? If we're caring for people who other people aren't caring for, if we're we're, we're opening our hearts up to those who no one else wants to speak to or, or no one else raises a voice for. Does that mean 
uh, caring for refugees and asylum seekers in Australia? Absolutely. Does that mean reaching out and caring for orphans and widows in our community? Absolutely. But I say, as we look at the Scripture, it goes far beyond just that. The challenge for us is to love everyday people, everyday people like Jesus did. To love people in our workplace, to love people in our families, to love people in our, on our streets, to love people at the bus stop, to love people in our community like Jesus did. He went out of his way every single day. This isn't just a once-off. This is how he lived. Jesus went out of his way over and over to love people. He went out of his way to go, yeah, I don't care what the rules are. I don't care who I'm supposed to talk to. This person needs me. This person needs to be loved. And you know what I found? I found the people who no one else wants to love, the people who no one else wants to talk to, probably people who, who need that love the most. And the people that the simple little gestures can mean the world to and can lead them to God's love. Jesus was intentional about going out of his way to meet this girl. He went the path normally not go, that others would not go. He was intentional about taking time to connect, not just say he loves her and, and leave. He took time to talk with her and to answer her questions and just simply to show that he cared. True relationships take time and they take effort. True conversation takes time and takes effort. It needs to go far beyond, even at church, it needs to go far beyond just our, our morning tea time where we talk about how our favorite uh, footy team did on the weekend or we talk about uh, how different sports things go in or we talk about how hot it's getting or different things then we go all right well have a good week and we'll see you next week and sometimes the people we're talking to right here in this church are hurting and we have no idea it's sad as a pastor to know that there are people in our own church family who come week after week and week week in and week out and say, you know, I feel alone. I feel like no one cares. I feel like I'm not part of the family. Or I feel like I'm not connecting in with anyone. And you think, they're here every week. We talk with them and we laugh with them. But no one's really reaching them. We have to be intentional about going, you know what? I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to invest in this person. I'm going to make sure my connections go beyond just the surface. I'm going to take time to love. And that takes time. This should be applied not just to the, the big ticket people or big ticket things that we see on social media that says we're supposed to care about. It should be about all of our life. Leading, uh, leaving the easy road and connecting with people. Whatever it takes to show God's love. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and I praise you for who you are. And that you never give up on us. God, there's, there's no barrier that would stand in your way for reaching us. And God, I pray that we go out of our way to love others. That we go out of our way to accept others. That may not dress like us and they may not look like us or smell like us or whatever that is. But God, help us to love. The people who no one else is going to love, help us to love. Our own family or our own marriages that, that we've given up on, help us, God, to love. Our, our children that may, may go their own way, God, help us to love. The people in our community, the people in our society 
who, who want to spit at us and, and push us aside. Help us, God, to love. For that's how you love us. And that while we are yet sinners, you sent Christ to love us, to give his life on the cross for us, to know that we deserve death and condemnation, but you offer us life and hope and grace and peace. Help us, God, to be challenged as your church to live out that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.